Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. Here comes another episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. She is the grammar goddess, a LinkedIn basics trainer, corporate communication expert, and happy, fun-loving woman. And she is helping writers look and sound as smart as they are. Her name is Susan Rooks. Susan, um, thank you very much for coming on the show, uh, LinkedIn Smart Podcast. Uh, as the guest speaker, I really, uh, I'm really happy that you are here, and I hope we're going to enjoy the time together. I am certain that we are going to, and thank you so much for inviting me. I, I'm still shocked at that fact. I'm, I'm loving it, but I'm really surprised. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and we're going to talk about, about this a little bit later. But before, uh, I have always the first question for all my, my guests on the podcast, and that is how on earth they started with LinkedIn. Was there any, any story and, uh, and you know, what, what is LinkedIn for them, basically? I still don't remember actually starting, but I know that LinkedIn said I started in October of 05. We're talking 15 years ago <laughs> because people said there's this thing called LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. Okay, fine. I knew about Facebook and a couple of others, but I wasn't and am still not terribly savvy in the world of tech. And I thought, well, okay, I'll go sign up for it. It was free. That's good. And I know I put something out there, a, a, a little bit of a profile, but not much. Basically, I did almost nothing for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And I, I heard Jeff Young say the same thing, that he went on it, but then kind of went, yeah, what do we do? How do we make this work? I think he did it faster than I did. But I don't think I got anything going until around 2013. Think about that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how. I put out a couple of articles here and there, but I had no guide. And I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know how to ask. I just figured, yeah, fine, good, whatever. A guy named John White, uh, John White MBA, Social Media Solutions, somehow saw something I wrote. Uh, he doesn't remember. I don't remember, but bless his heart for seeing it. And he thought, oh, the grammar goddess. Oh, wait, that's kind of cool. I should talk to her. So he invited me into a little group, a closed LinkedIn group, and said, why don't you come in here and meet some of the other people, and maybe you'll be able to find something to do with them. I'm not going to say no to that, because it was the first time anybody ever noticed me, to be honest. I never saw it. And yes, it did happen. He finally said, you know what? I'm writing something. I wonder if you'd look it over. Sure. Okay. He became my first client thanks to that group. A couple of other people, once he and I helped him, they came in. That was all wonderful. But I still didn't get anywhere. So he said, okay, Susan, if you want to get somewhere on LinkedIn, one of the big deals is you have to be visible. Okay, that makes sense. How do I do that? He said, you have to write articles. On what? He said, well, what do you know most about? I, went, I know about American grammar. And you have to be kidding me to think that that is going to sell in the marketplace. I mean, there's nothing more boring than remember when you were 12, 12 or 15, and the teachers are trying to teach you this stuff. And you went, yeah, right. Good luck, teach. You're old. You're 35. Go away. Leave me alone. And I couldn't imagine it. He said, no, even more than that. 
I want you to write five articles a week on something. Okay, five. On what? So I thought about all the things that I had been teaching thanks to Fred Pryor seminars back in the day and thought, well, okay, into some grammar and a little business writing and a couple of other topics. And then on Fridays, the one I've kept up, by the way, for seven years, the Friday fun day. But I did, I sliced and diced it because it made sense to me that at least I knew what I was going to write about. So Monday was the topic, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I did it for two full years, mm-hmm. every single blooming week every week. And you know what? He's right. People started to notice because I wasn't saying you have to do it my way. I was just saying in the world of American grammar or in the world of American business writing, this is how we do it. And it caught on. So I gave up after about two years of five in a row. I mean, that was a lot of work, but I also kept up with the Friday fun day because I learned that a, I get a lot of pleasure out of finding funny things to show people. And in the last couple of years, now that I've really expanded my um, follower base, I've gotten some people who are so much smarter and funnier than anything I've ever put out on that. I wait for the comments. I love the comments. They are so clever and they're almost off the cuff. They're almost like you read it and you think, oh, I can say something funny about that. I can't tell you how much I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why I'm succeeding is because my, my enjoyment of how other people view what I put out there is huge. Mm-hmm. I'm still in awe of the fact that people like it, they get a kick out of it, and they tell me so. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps me motivated. And so now it's 2021. It is, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I'm going to keep doing the same sort of thing. But I'm on LinkedIn a lot, and I think that's the other part of it. Visibility. I probably put in five hours a day on LinkedIn mm-hmm. if you figure out the whole morning through night because I enjoy it. I like seeing what other people have there. I love learning from them. Mm-hmm. Everyone out there is much smarter than I'll ever be. In their world, it's amazing. So for me, this is why LinkedIn is so special because it keeps me motivated. Sure, I get clients from it, but I also learn. Right. I get a lot of pleasure out of that. Uh, Susan, that's absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic story about uh, you putting so many articles out there and uh, I, honestly speaking, I have not talked to anybody uh, so far uh, who you know who could say that that you know just just putting by putting articles out there got um, the traction and and visibility and all that. So you had a tremendous success with um, with the articles, right? So far, um, five months ago, I was starting to look at the numbers of followers I had because somebody told me I should. I mean, I'm not a numbers person. I was just enjoying the humanity of it. It was just such fun. But they said, you should be seeing how you're doing. Okay, fine. I'll try. I noticed on August 8th that I had 12,860 followers, including connections. But you know how LinkedIn lumps it. They're all followers. This morning, I have 25,000, almost 200. Mm -hmm. Five months. It works. (laughs) It absolutely works. But I also think it's partly once you get to a certain point, all of them all of your connections, if you're doing it right, prom- promote you because they like your stuff, they comment on your stuff, they share your stuff. And it's there's a term for it that is escaping me at the moment. But it's, you can't help it. Mass, mass something or other, you'll probably think of it. Um, that just says you've got so many, each one of them puts it out, you're going to get more. Right. That wasn't my goal, though. My goal was to, again, to keep just enjoying being on LinkedIn. 
I would like to ask you a question where where does the name grammar goddess comes from because that's kind of intriguing and uh, I like that I, I like it definitely and uh, I just wanted to know you know where did it come from is there any story around that well back in oh boy uh, 1995 I went to work for a company called Fred Pryor Seminars that is now has a different name and I think it's Pryor International Communications or something. But they were doing, they were the originators of the one day business seminar where you would have a leader up front for six hours, six hours, and you'd have maybe 50 to 300 people listening to some topic you could teach. And I came into it um, having changed my topic a couple of times. I don't need to bore anybody with that, but I finally ended up saying, all right, I don't want to teach those topics. Can I teach the women's topics? Which by the way, is what we called them back then. And the guy that I was uh, liaising with said, well, most of the women, we've already got that covered. Would you be interested in teaching the grammar? Okay, sure. I got lucky that it wasn't that hard, although I had a wonderful woman who sat through six hours and marked up a workbook and gave it back to me. (laughs) She was an English teacher. Oh my gosh, I thought I'd die. But she was very kind about it and I really did dive in and look. The other part of the question, we're talking the 90s. We did not have the internet. It It was in its infancy, but we had 800 numbers. So Pryor was smart about it. They said, if you're in a group teaching this topic, you might have questions. We set up groups of each topic and you could call in an 800 number and say, okay, guys, gals, I don't know what to do on page 18 or I don't know what to do about this topic thing. Talk to me. I found I was one answering a lot of those questions, mainly because of that woman who really showed me what I did not know. And I thought, huh, okay. And one day, one person changed my life by saying, wow, you keep answering the questions. You're such a grammar goddess. And my mind went, hang on to the thought. Was up. That's a good one. It's alliterative. It's funny. My poor mother loathed. She didn't like it at all because she said it's not serious. <laughs> and that was the point for me because grammar is serious in its own way. And it's boring. I'm sorry. Nobody really wants to know where the period goes in the quotation. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so I thought, grammar goddess, how cool. And the next year when I started making plans, as so many did, to leave Fred Pryor Seminars at some point, I created my own company called Grammar Goddess Seminars. I've since changed it to communication because I loved the name. And people tend to remember it. They might not remember my name, Hmm. but they hang on to, yeah, I remember that that term. That was kind of cool, Grammar Goddess. And I've kept it for since 1996. Mm Awesome. Awesome. I, I, I love the name as well. And I think it's, it's really cool and very memorable, of course. Um, Susan, you're talking about, about grammar and um, how, um, how that is important for you and obviously how that is important also for, for other people, um, especially leaders, especially C-level managers, I guess, um, who are on a LinkedIn, who want to be seen, they, they want to be seen as, a, as a intelligent human beings. So they need to use a proper language, right? Like, a, is that the catch where, where you come in and teach people, you know, what and how and, and all the other stuff? I do. And I have to be very careful because remember, I'm American and we have our own very weird ways of spelling. The usage of worldwide, it doesn't matter if you speak 
English, and I'm, I'm putting quotes marks around and no one will see it, but English is not a single language any more than any language is. Once it migrates to another country, it gets changed. It can't help it. Even in America, we probably have 150 different versions of English, all the different areas, and they have their funny ways about it. But we still have a few basic punctuation rules and a few basic ideas. But I work worldwide. I have, been, I have clients all over the world. Mm-hmm. And all I've had to do is just figure out, A, do you want to use American English? Because if so, we're good. B, you don't. Okay. I go on the internet and I can find fairly easily what changes I need to make to keep it consistent with that country's version of this term we call English. Mm-hmm. But you said something profound. Yes, we need to look professional. And I'm not ever going to put someone down for not using English correctly when they speak Czech, Arabic, and any other language on the planet. Because you know what? I only speak one language, English. I'm in awe of anyone who could take this crazy language and really come close to making sense with it because I couldn't do it anywhere, any other way. Mm-hmm. So, yes, my goal is to help them shine, to make them look as sound as smart as they are. But it's not about a put down at all, ever. Mm-hmm. It's truly about honoring the fact that they're trying really hard to make it work. And so they don't know everything. That's fine. Right. I take my knowledge, take their knowledge, and we collaborate. Okay. And I pull it together. Very, very cool. Uh, how do you help people, and especially... Uh, because we're talking about LinkedIn and we are on on podcast called LinkedIn Smarts, right? So I wanted to ask, uh, how does that, your profession, uh, link with LinkedIn? Well, it's, so, it's sort of two parts. Um, LinkedIn for me has become something that I also teach. I think you know that. I teach a basic LinkedIn course. Mm-hmm. It's one hour. Well, now these days it used to be in person. <laughs> There's not much in person. It's Zoom. It's PowerPoint. It's one hour. It's free. Because I'm looking to give back or to pay forward, however you want to express it, and say, these are the things that I'm noticing that a lot of people who are trying hard to look professional are missing the boat. I mean, that banner, they've they've got a brand new one, LinkedIn does, um, the default banner. It comes in green or blue. took me a week to figure out they're the same banner. It's just two different colors. And you're missing a point there. That's advertising. That's free space. Why don't do something? So I spend an hour and I help them do that because I want them to shine. Even people in my profession, I don't see them as competitors. I'm one of the odd ducks out here. I figure, yes, I'm an editor. I'm a copy editor. I also wonder some days about how that all happened, but we're all different with our approach with what we know. Um, So I don't see it as competitor at all. I see it as collaboration with even people in my world. In terms of how I help, I've got people coming to me quite often and saying, I'm writing a book, can you help me? Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of corporate clients who say, we have bloggers on staff. We need to make sure that our bloggers present the stuff correctly. Can you help us? Yes, I can. Because, well, at least with the American ones, I have a wonderful Australian company that I work with. And if she has American bloggers, I do American blogging. If she has the uh, Australian one, well, all right, we take the four pieces we do differently, spelling, punctuation, and we, we change it that way. So what it gives me is an opportunity to help. And I'm not, I'm not unique in what I do, but I am unique in how I present it. I don't see that many other people in my profession advertising mm-hmm. or using LinkedIn this way. Mm. And it's a shame because it works. It really does work. Do you see, do you see a lot of 
grammar mistake on LinkedIn and what, what are the ones which kind of irritates you most? Okay, the single kind that irritate me most are when the people say, I am an editor, I am a grammar person, I am a, somebody in the world that I inhabit, and they make mistakes. <clears throat> because you can't. If somebody comes to me and says, I'm a plumber, and I can't write, fine, go plumb. I mean, go do the plumbing. I don't need that person to be excellent in the writing aspect of their life. I expect them not to be. I do expect people in my world of writing, content writing, editing of any sort to be very close to perfect. Not, not absolutely. I've made mistakes. I've had friends direct messaging. Um, Susan, you know, the second paragraph, that word, oops, we're not perfect, but there's a, there's a level of professionalism that in this world, I do expect that I hope for it because otherwise, why would somebody hire me if I can't use my own ways to present myself the way I want to help them do it. Hmm. And so, yes, I see, well, I see typos everywhere. I do. I think every editor in the world does. We, we can't help it. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm reading a published book, like from a big publisher, there's an occasional word I think, oh, sweetie, no, that wasn't what you meant. No, nice try. But if, if the person isn't in this world, then no, I'm not even going to, I'm going to notice it, but I'm not going to judge. And mm -hmm. I think that's the big thing. Because if you know more about chemistry and you know more about science and you know more about running this podcast thing, whatever we call this, see, then why would I judge you? Because you don't know where a comma goes or you use the wrong word. I can't do what you do. I have no idea how you do it. And I think that's an important thing for most of us to recognize. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> uh Susan, why do you think it's grammar so important and keeping like a being, uh, I don't want to say perfect, but you know, being grammarly corrected or being corrected uh, on on uh, on LinkedIn? Why is it so important, and why do you feel um, there is a there is a market for you? Largely because many people do notice the errors. Um, it's that first impression. It's like when you go to the LinkedIn profile and you don't see something you expect. Somewhere in your little pea brain, it says, oh, darn, that's a shame. There are something like 700 million uh, profiles right now on LinkedIn. I think maybe a third of them are actually active, to be honest with you. But that's, that's neither here nor there. If you go to a profile and something sets you off in a negative way, there's a good chance you're going to go to the next person in line who does whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's podcasts, electric things. I don't really care what it is. You're going to think, yeah, no, I'm not going. She couldn't. He couldn't. No. You can't be certain that the best client in the world who is a real nut about grammar isn't going to check your profile out. You can't know that. People say, well, nobody ever knows the difference. Mm, I kind of agree with that. But why would you take the chance? Why would you not say to somebody who can do this for you for not very much money? Why would you not say, can you help me shine? Am I shining? Am I expressing myself the way I think I am? Trust me, I look at my own stuff a month later and think, oh, Susan, you could have done better on that one too. Yeah, we all can use that kind of help no matter what it is. And that's my goal. I want people to look and sound as smart as they are. And yes, I have had... Uh, a fair bit of success in the last five or six years with people finding me and saying, you look, you look friendly. 
which is a big thing on, on LinkedIn, because we've seen the pictures. People scowl, they look professional, the nose in the air. No, that's not me. And I'm an editor who doesn't demand. I'd say, let's collaborate. Let's find out what you're trying to say. Let's see how I can help you. Oh, and by the way, you will use the Oxford comma. That's my one demand. But beyond that, honestly, it's not my book. It's not my blog. It's not my project. At the end of the day, somebody has to be comfortable that their voice is still there. And that's something I think I get recommended for mm. by those I've worked with, that I don't make major changes unless something is falling apart completely. Mm -hmm. I know that you mentioned that um, you're doing the trainings uh, on a LinkedIn basics. Um, and my question would be like, what are those basics for you and how you go about it and how you, you know, how you help others uh, to, to sort it out? Well, I started this about two and a half years ago, doing it for local chambers of commerce, because again, we could do in person. And I created a wonderful workbook that I no longer use. Um, and I would go and we'd spend honestly two and a half, three hours, but we had a break in between, but we would cover a lot of material. And we would talk about that top banner. Most people in the group didn't realize, even though they saw other profiles that had fun stuff at the top or different, it didn't occur to them, they could do that. We don't know what we don't know. And so we would talk about the banner and then we would talk about the about section and how it's not meant to be a resume. Please don't get all formal and stuffy. It's meant to say, hey, this is what I do for a living. This is how I can help. And we went through each section trying to show people the value of being making it personal, the picture. There are a few out there still that is of someone's dog. All right, if you run a kennel for dogs, okay, I get it. If you're a veterinarian, maybe that makes some sense. But I want to do business with people that I know, like, and trust, and I want to see a face. I want to see a human face, mostly. I don't really want to see you with your six kids unless that's part of your work. So we go through each piece of it. All right, fast forward to 2020. Oops. In January, February, I was still planning to do in-person. Uh-huh. The world kind of came to a halt. I thought, well, I love teaching this. I love knowing that people are succeeding because of a couple of things I might have been able to help them do. All right, what do you do? You pivot. You think, how else can I do it? PowerPoint. Zoom. Okay. And so now I have a one hour and it's free. This, there's no charge to anybody. All I ever need is somebody who has a paid Zoom account because I'm doing it free. I'm not buying a Zoom. Uh, and then I also need a co-host, that, that person who can at least run this thing for me. It's one hour. It's PowerPoint. It's not as detailed, but it still has a fair bit there of all the sections that are important. Uh, it's two half pieces. I can do it in two halves if I have to. But it works pretty well. I'm still fine tuning this mm -hmm. um, because I'm trying to make sure that I'm giving enough value, but you can't do as much on a PowerPoint slide, obviously, as you can do on a workbook page. So, okay, that also is what's the most important information? How do I help them see the two or three things in each section they have to be changing or looking at or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I'm getting, I'm getting some good feedback from it. I'm thrilled to death. I only want to do one or two a month. Jeff Young is another one who does the same thing differently. He does it. I'm going to actually attend one of his. I think next month he's doing well, ask the LinkedIn guru. And he sits down and he waits for questions to come in. But he's, he and John Asperian do a whole other level of knowledge. 
I don't do dumpster dives. I don't do algorithms. I don't know enough to go beyond mm -hmm. the stuff that I teach, the physical, visual. Right. But I figure if you can get that much put up there that doesn't look too weird, you're going to have more people willing to at least read what you wrote mm -hmm. and see if maybe you're the person that they're looking for to help them with whatever it is they need help with. Hmm. And that's my goal is to help them do that. Yeah. That sounds really interesting and especially, and, and you call it, you know, those are LinkedIn basics, right? Um, I, I wanted to ask you actually, because just recently on, uh, on my feed, I'm running a, a research, uh, a kind of poll where I'm asking people, what do they think about, about section because I'm really kind of wondering what is the relationship of a LinkedIn users out there with yeah. the about section because I'm, I'm really puzzled or I'm really curious to know do people really read and I think that's that's kind of a very fundamental question as well you know there are a lot of people a lot of authors but are there really enough readers uh, what do you think about this well, I know for the about section, my thought is if you start out looking boring, you probably lose every reader out there. Mm -hmm. um, when I teach this course, I ask them, what is it that a reader coming to you would be feeling pain about? What would be hurtful to them? What are they looking for a solution to? And my first line on my about section is, okay, now I have to remember what my first line is. Um, <laughs> have you ever written, okay, I can think of the word. I've, I've just stopped my brain. I have wasn't you, expecting. Have you ever written pubic? There you go. When public. you meant public. Yes. And I've been told by a number of people, they had to keep reading to find out what the heck I was writing about. Because <laughs> it happens with almost every writer. There's a word that is a perfectly good word, like pubic, but it's rarely the one you intended. And so we go through that. I say, what is the pain point of your readers? Why would they come to you knowing that you're a whatever it is you are? I mean, I can't do marketing. I can't do science. I can't do podcasts. But if people are coming to your thing, your profile, why? So the first couple of questions, I think it's important to grab a reader fast because you're right. Most of us get distracted pretty quickly. Life moves fast. And if it isn't interesting enough to grab us pretty much at the beginning, we're gone. And I've got a lot of people say, I had to figure out what the rest of it was going to be. And I thought, bless your heart, because that is what was my goal was. And everybody says, oh my God, I've done that before. How do you not? Okay, here's the secret, by the way. They say, I looked for the word public. I said, uh-huh. And I'll bet you found it all the way through. And they went, yeah, how come I didn't find pubic? You didn't look for it. You need to ask for the word you don't want. <laughs> in anything you've written, if you know that you make those mistakes. Oh, right. Then you'll see if it is there. And this is just what I can do on LinkedIn for people. Because the about section, the other piece of it is too many people get stiff. They write in the third person. They'll say, Susan does this, or John does this, meaning themselves. And Whoa, John does this? Aren't you John? Come on, get away from this high and mighty silly stuff. I do it. And if people don't really like starting with I, and that's fair, I'm no quarrel. Fine, start with verbs. Create, organize, help, define, uh, cancel, start. Start with verbs. I'm not saying you have to use I, but the wall between a reader and the writer shouldn't be there. 
again, we have so many other people out there they could go to. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I wanted to also ask about the importance of that section. I mean, how important is it for you? And do you actually, when, when you land on a profile, I know probably you would, right? But um, for the, for the, <laughs> for the ordinary Joe, would you think that about section is the important part of, of the profile? Yeah, for me, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I look to see if you're linked with anybody I know. I look for all of it, but the, I want to see what you are. I want to see who you are. I want to see where you've been, what you've done, what you can do for others, what you're doing for others. I want to get to know you. And I know a lot of folks still think it's a resume. And even good friends who create resumes say resumes aren't what they were. You don't want to be a stiff cardboard cutout figure that could, ugh, no. You want to be a human being, professional, but human being, how can you help people? And that's the whole goal of work as far as I know. Hmm. Yes, people say, well, I'm working to make money. Okay, to a certain point, yeah, I agree with you. You need to have a certain amount of dollars or whatever the currency is. But beyond that, why that profession? What draws you to that profession when there are 17 godzillion others you could be in? So you're helping because you have that heart or the mind or the skill or the willingness. It needs to show. Again, 700 million LinkedIn profiles. And we're going to find the person who seems to fit what we think we need. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that's probably the, uh, beyond the banner, which is important because it's kind of ugly. But people want to know, who are you? Why would I want to work with you specifically when there are all those others who say they're just like you? I wanted to come back also to, to your experiences with, uh, with the articles because I think that's, uh, that's something which... Uh, uh, I don't hear very often, uh, and especially our listeners as well here on LinkedIn Smart Podcast, we don't talk about it that much because I kind of feel, to be honest with you, that I don't want to say it out loud, but I will. Um, the, the articles are a bit dead, right? Aren't they? No, but the posts have become more popular, the shorter posts. Um, and I've put out probably three or 400 posts in the last four, three or four years since they became, but I still like articles because the posts you limit it to 1200 or 1300 characters including spaces now doesn't mean you can't get a really great post in that number of characters including all the spaces and the, and the returns but sometimes you can't finish a thought fully in a in a post an article gives you the opportunity doesn't mean you need to write 17,000 words my friday fun day is an article because I can't do enough in a post. It won't work. It's, all, it's mostly visuals. You've seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny memes and jokes and things I've found. I still like putting out an article when it's important. Um, there's one that I'll take a chance on here. I call it, whoa, rein it in, partner. And I couldn't have put it on a post because, A, I needed to write more than a little bit. And it was mainly aimed at mostly guys who come on a little too strong, a little too quickly, and a little too personally that should not be out there doing that because it really hurts their own character and their reputation. I couldn't do that in a post because I could. it just had to be longer. So, but I like the posts because they are short. Another use of them is to do a short post and then do a link back to a longer article you wrote and if your short post of a couple of paragraphs seems worthy, you still will get traction back on an article. You're right. A lot of people aren't writing articles, but I still find a lot of people do because they can't quite flesh out a good idea. 
1,300 characters. And LinkedIn used to tell you when you were getting close, like you get 1,200, be careful. They kind of stopped doing that. Hmm. And all of a sudden you get this, you have exceeded your limit. Oh, well, darn. <laughs> now what do I cut out of that? Articles, it's as long as you want. The other value to me in an article, pictures. Mm-hmm. In a post, you have one place you can put a picture and it goes at the bottom. That is by design. Okay, fine. But an article, normally there's a picture at the very top to draw people in. But if you want to, you can put other pictures in it. Let's say you're doing a travelogue and you want to show Italy or you want to show Czechoslovakia and different areas that you might want to visit. Pretty hard to do it in a post, but you could absolutely do it in an article with pictures of two or three places that don't miss these. These are fabulous when we're allowed to travel again. Yeah, and I think I think one, one of the things which uh, I found uh, perhaps the difference between posts and articles um, is longevity, right? That uh, with the post, it's you know it's very quickly gone. You know, within within few days, perhaps um, you know sometimes I get in my feed a post which was uh, I posted a week ago. But um, but the articles they they live for much longer for 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 that matter, right? Uh, they, they they seem to. But here's the other one trick, and maybe somebody listening can benefit from this hashtags. I never liked hashtags until I recognized that they're like file folders. I have four of my own. And if you go to Rooks Rocks, hashtag Rooks Rocks, which somebody gave me that nickname. I I loved it. You'll see everything that I thought was funny in that folder. And so you can find it. And if your posts are that good, that you like them enough, you can create your own private hashtags Mm -hmm. that are yours. You can also do the hashtag business or, or marketing or something and mix with other people. But it's one way to keep your own because LinkedIn does not do that. They do it simply by either the time you put it out there or the latest time somebody commented or shared it or something. But there's no automatic way to find it unless you go onto Google and say somebody's title and somebody's name and they'll go right to it. But I love hashtags. I've learned that it's helpful. Mm -hmm. It guides people. People find things I wrote as posts three months ago, because they kept scrolling, thinking, oh, that was funny, oh, that was funny, oh, that was funny, oh my God, look at that was funny. It works, all these weird little things. I'm sure that uh, aside of Rook's Rocks, you have also Grammar Goddess uh, hashtag, right? I do. Okay. I use that one for the for the grammar direction of things. I use the Rook's Rocks for the funny, goofy things, because they're different in my mind. Um, I use, that's a word, you, you might have seen them, I've, in the last three or four months, I've been finding odd words in crossword puzzles or from the um, newsletters I get from the dictionaries. And I read them. And I think my first thought one day was, that's a word. Oh, wait, Susan. Ooh, ooh, that's a good name. Okay. I put one out every day just to show people. And it's fun in its way. But some of them people say, oh, I've used that before. I've seen it. Most of us go, uh-huh. Never saw that one before. So I've created two or three others that identify a series that I've created. Um, ask a friend is another one. I've got a bunch of qu- funny questions that people ask, and every now and then I throw one out there. You want to see all of them? You go to hashtag ask a friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fun for people. Monday have extra two minutes. I don't know who's got extra two minutes these days, but if you do, they'll find maybe an older one you wrote and think, oh, wait, ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one other place, I'm sorry, the featured section. Mm-hmm. You can put up to six articles. Actually, you can probably put more, but I don't think you should. Of some of the stuff you like the best about what you wrote. 
mm-hmm. and it goes right up front on that on your profile page mm-hmm. and how could people not want to know about those things that are right in front of them you might have written it two years ago but it's timely it still means something to you and you want people to see it because it just expresses something about you and how you work that you want them to see and not have to hide mm-hmm. from 2018 or 17 or whatever. That's a that's a really good section. I like it a lot. Do you in some way uh, direct people to your articles? Like, uh, do you write, for example, a post and mention, oh, I, by the way, I wrote an article, please, and then have, for example, link and sending people there? I've done that. I've also done that occasionally on someone else's, but I think we all have to be very careful about when we comment on someone else's articles, not to take over. I mean, if it's relevant and if it's a good friend and if I feel very safe about doing it, I may say, ooh, I wrote something very similar. But honestly, I'll make, I'd rather do it on my own stuff because too often we see people who are commenting on someone else's article or post and they're almost taking over and they're taking the direction away from the author of the article by saying, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at me and what I did versus saying to the author, awesome article. I like what you wrote. I like that second paragraph. Hmm. And again, that's one of the ways I think we get have other people perceive us as people they want to know. Because if we're always taking it back on ourselves, we look egotistic. Hmm. It's awful. And if we can say, hey, I love the article. That second point you made, bump, 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 bump. We look good. The author looks good. And it all works out. Hmm. Maybe, maybe uh, it just uh, uh, you know coming to my mind that perhaps um, you know you can easily create a post and say, well, I just recently read an article of um, you know from, and then mention that person's name, right? The article, and they say, oh, he mentioned or she mentioned something like this, and I actually uh, had something very very similar in my article, and then just mention your article, right? So it's your post. You're giving uh, the the shout out. To that to, to different author so I think that that should be that should be all good right it can be I would almost prefer not to even put myself in those okay. again I did it yesterday um, I was talking to a gal on lunch uh, we were talking because we live near we're gonna work together and um, I saw an article she'd written I didn't know she'd written it on cybersecurity and I read it and I went oh son of a gun This is really good. She wrote it six months ago. I don't know anything about cybersecurity, but she does, Carol Scalzo. And I put it out there and just said, folks, I love learning about what other people do. I do, it's true. And look what I found on Carol Carol Scalzo's page on cybersecurity. This is another way to look good and help others. Because if I see something I think is worthy, what the heck? Why wouldn't I show it off? and let my people maybe learn from it and maybe go to talk to her about what she does or what you do. I mean, I love promoting other people. Mm-hmm. I just flat out do. And this is from a girl, a woman, who was all about herself for a lot of years. When I worked for, I went, um, you ever heard of uh, Business Network International, BNI? I'm part of okay. it. I was, I, was a, I was a local director for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I got my rump kicked early and often. Because <laughs> I thought if I was the leader and I was the director, I was somebody important. And boy, did I learn I wasn't. Was I? Um, I realized that, no, my job was not to be, look at me, aren't I great? I'm telling you how to do things. My job was to find out what they needed and figure out how to help them do it. it took a while. 
but I was an area director. I, I ran 12 chapters. Awesome. Um, I was recognized at corporate a couple of times. Um, best job I've ever had. I mean, I loved it. Again, learning, learning. So for me to put somebody else out there, I'm always finding fun stuff and thinking, look what somebody else does. Take hmm. a look. Maybe they, maybe they wouldn't have seen this because they're not connected to her or him or you. Hmm. It's really interesting what you what you just mentioned, uh, and I I I think we all see it. Or actually, I can see it because we are recording it as a video. But uh, I hope the listeners can hear that. You know, big part of your personality is fun, obviously. Uh, how important is fun on LinkedIn from your perspective? Major. I think LinkedIn has changed though. I mean, my first five years, a I knew nothing. When I started learning, it wasn't as funny. Now I think. Occasionally it may go a little too far, but anything could. I enjoy seeing humor. I enjoy seeing pleasure in people. I enjoy reading things that help me learn, from, not from a, uh, an ugly kind of perspective, you have to do this, but look, this works. This is something that really helps people. And then yes, my Friday fun day, I've kept that one up. A, I love finding the funny memes. B, Everyone who goes to art, one person once said, this doesn't seem to be appropriate for LinkedIn. And boy, that person got dumped on by everybody else on the thread. It's like, whoa, it's one meme in the morning. And it's usually funny because otherwise why bother? But I think especially now in 21, we had a horrible year last year. I don't know that this is going to be better quickly. We need something that allows us to smile, to get the endorphins going, as my best friend, Melissa Hughes, PhD, would, would say, the endorphins in here. She's a brainiac. Love her. Um, you need that because otherwise the stress will kill you. And so within limits, and we're all going to have a different place for the limits. I enjoy seeing things that are upbeat, funny sometimes, um, humorous. Yes, I enjoy that. It's a nice reminder that there is pleasure still to be found in our wonderful world. Even on LinkedIn. Mm. Or maybe especially. <laughs> I, I like I like edutainment. I like being educated while being entertained in the same time. I don't like the word actually edutainment, but uh, I couldn't find any any better. But I still feel that it's uh, what you what you just mentioned something which will give you some value and put smile on your face. I think that's that's really, really important, especially as you mentioned, we are just in 2021. We don't know how for how long this uh, old situation will will still be around us. Uh, so we need to have some reason to smile. And uh, I'm not really sure if really LinkedIn is the place where I go for a smile, but I think it should, right? Like, uh, and that's why, that's why I wanted to ask you about this. And I'm happy that uh, you have you, you share the same view that LinkedIn should be a fun place or oh, fun place. It's some fun there. Yeah. It's not meant to be ha ha funny funny carnival, yeah. and it's not meant to be Facebook. It is meant to be a professional. But going back to the picture on your LinkedIn profile, if you smile, you're approachable, and if you don't, you may not be seen as what you want to be seen as. Hmm. I want to be seen as somebody you can approach. And if my humor can help you, if the funny words can help you, if anything else I do can help, that's fine. Because how are we going to work together if you can't bear the thought of wanting to work with me? How can that happen to anybody? Mm -hmm. um, know, like, and trust. I learned that, again, back in BNI. I want to work with people I know. Well, that's a good start. Like, huge, and trust. 
And the like piece gets bigger and bigger because unless I am dying and the only person who can revive me is some SOB that I can't stand, I'd like to pick somebody that I can work with that I actually do enjoy being with. Um, most of us, I mean, my process with people, if you write a book, it's going to be two to three months with us working together. It's not like one and done, which surprises a few people. It's not like, oh, read it and just tell me and I'll move on. No, that's not how it works. So if you don't like me, oh, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Hmm. And that's true for a lot. Coaches, people who can actually help you learn to do something different. If you don't like them, it doesn't matter how smart they are mostly, you're not going to work with them. It's, we have choices. Look at your smile. I mean, you're smiling. I'm smiling. This is good. Yes. If it weren't, it, we would have quit here a long time ago. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around one thing uh, because I can hear the question in my head from my colleagues I work with. So, for example, with the auditors I work with, or with, uh, with the, uh, you know, CFOs and people like that. And they would say, well, how can I be funny? How can I be funny on LinkedIn? How can I, you know, my job is a serious job. I want to be seen as a, you know, as a, as a serious business guy. Why should I be funny? What would you say to them? Funny doesn't have to be the only way to look at it. Can you be human? Can you be kind? Can you be seen as a regular person, even though you are a CEO, CFO, C, whatever the heck else, O? Because the authoritarian kind of leadership is pretty much not working well. It hasn't for a long time. Leaders tend to be people that we actually still like when we can get away with it. I mean, if you have a job and you need that job and you need that money and heaven help you, you have to have it, then who leads you is almost irrelevant because you need that job. And you'll say yes to things you maybe don't want to. But most leadership articles that I'm reading in the last couple of years point out that funny isn't really it. It's kindness. It's mm. humanitarian. It's talking with people rather than at people. It's collaborating to the degree that a CFO or a CEO can. It's not trying to be the only smart person in the room or the smartest person in the room because then you've got a bunch of people who go, uh-huh, okay, fine, we'll go do it. That's all you'll get, a bunch of dumb bunnies who will find another job if they can. Human is, I think, a stronger value than necessarily funny. I mean, if you can crack a joke and we all laugh, great. But I want to work with people who listen, who understand that others have value and ascribe it and put that into their daily way of being, not just the words. And there are a lot of companies out there that have wonderful, wonderful sayings about how they do business. Talk to the rank and file. And it's all, some of it, it's not filtering down too well somehow. So, you know, funny's good. I can do it because I'm a solopreneur and my world is all about language. Some can't. A CFO probably isn't going to be too funny with the numbers, but he can still be human. She can still be a good person to be talking with to find out more about what we can do together. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think uh, what, I, what I found is that there is always a certain way, like perhaps the word funny is, is a, bit, um, a bit strong in that sense. You can be, uh, you can be entertaining. You can be, uh, in a way, you can, 
you know, you can put a smile on people's face even with the, with a, you know, maybe just a little comment here and there on your otherwise uh, very serious post. But still, when people smile, they kind of like, I think I think the whole uh, the, the whole environment changes, and then the people people kind of receive you in a very very different way, rather than you know when they're sitting sitting and listening to your PowerPoint boring PowerPoint presentation for two hours, right? Yeah, no, you have to smile. That's why I tell people in a picture on LinkedIn, please find one that you smile. Please <laughs> let people say, oh, okay, they won't notice the smile as much as they may notice the lack of a smile, mm-hmm. that, that sense that mm, maybe not. And they don't necessarily sit and figure it all out. It's like anything we write. If, if it's not clear, people aren't necessarily going to sit and say, okay, let me figure out what wasn't clear. They're just going to go, okay, yeah, no. It's, we're taking time to make sure that our presentation builds the world that we want to have people see us as. Mm-hmm. So, I know how I want to be perceived the way I think I am. Actually, it's not fake. It's just the outer has to really match the inner um, most of the time. And the smile is huge. Who doesn't want to see a baby smile? Who doesn't want to see another human smile? Right. Susan, what is your funniest experience on LinkedIn? Do you have, do you have any funny experience on LinkedIn? I, I think you must, have, you must you know, have thousands of those, right? Ah. <laughs> I should have known that question would coming. Um, no, I mean, every day to me is funny. And, and honestly, I, I can't come up with a single one necessarily. Um, was there any funny, was there any funny experience which you have or, or, you know, kind of encounter or, or something which, you know, stuck in your mind that it was all oh, that, you know, that was really something. No, probably because I've been doing this for so many years that it all kind of blends. Um, the only single thing I remember when I worked with somebody was um, editing something for her. And her mother was a an English teacher. So she gave it to her mother and had her mother do it all. And her mother kind of flubbed it because her mother was majoring back in the day when her mother had uh, college in early Renaissance writing or something like that. I mean, come on. I don't know anything about Chaucer. Nothing about, I know the name. Done. Gone. An English major had so many ways to be interpreted and there was some headline that she'd written and it was completely wrong word. It was like using pubic when you meant public kind of thing, only it was different. And I read it and I went, why did you let your mother do that? She's, what would she, oh, how could she do that? I said, because editing is not the same thing as knowing about pre, pre whatever Chaucer in Renaissance writing. It's completely different. And she went, Oh, right. I said, your mother knows things I'll never know in a thousand years. I did not say I will never want to know in a thousand years, but she did. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know American grammar and she wasn't an editor and she wasn't a copy editor. And so her mind was in a different place, a great place, but not that one. Mm-hmm. I find humor and I find pleasure and I find funny bits almost every day on this. The best tend to be my Friday fun day, other people's comments. <laughs> because they are spur of the moment and they are so sharp. If somebody wanted to get a really great laugh, don't read the stuff I put out. I'll read it. All right, look at it. It's funny. But go to the comments that some of the people have made. And if you don't howl, you got you got to turn your laugh button on a little bit because they're they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. I, I just think, thank you so much for doing that because you made me smile. <laughs> 
Perhaps we can make a post out of those comments, right? Like um... I've done that once or twice. Okay. Um, yeah, because they just they're brilliant. It's like this was the topic. This is a couple of the memes, and this is what what Mike Johnson said. Or this is what somebody else said. Was, I'm afraid to do names. Somebody's going to say you didn't talk about me. Um, some of the guys are just hilarious, mm. and I love it. Awesome. So I believe that's uh, that's um, um, also a. a uh, kind of like a nice uh, end to our discussion today. Um, obviously, um, we need to draw the line somewhere, otherwise we can carry on for hours and hours talking about our favorite subject, LinkedIn and fun and smiles and all that. Susan, it was fun, absolutely fantastic to have you here. And before we go, uh, where can we find more about you? And uh, just tell us just a little bit, little bit uh, about that. Well, obviously, LinkedIn. Gee, there's a thought. Uh, Susan Rooks, the Grammar Goddess. Um, I also have a website, Grammar Goddess Communication, that a lot of my articles are on, but there's more information because it's different. I think one of the better pages I put on my website is my international travels back with Fred Pryor. And some of them that were really good and one or two that were remarkably not good because things just didn't work out well. And we're talking back in the 90s when communication across borders wasn't as seamless as it can be today. Um, I loved the travel part. I was so excited to go to Australia and New Zealand and the Philippines and a couple of other places and just be in that culture. Hmm. That was so much fun. Hmm. And a couple of this, you know, a couple of things did happen. I wrote about them. What the heck, but my website and my LinkedIn profile are probably the two best uh, ways to find out whether somebody wants to follow me on LinkedIn Um you know, see what I can do for them or just plain enjoy it. Awesome. Susan, once again, thank you very much for oh. taking your time to being on the show. It was a pleasure and uh, I hope to welcome you on the show uh, in the near future again. Oh, I don't know if people can do another full hour, but as, as Jeff Young would say, namaste. And I had to learn how to say the word because I didn't know how. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.